0: Let us pray. Father, as we come again to your holy word to once again pause and examine, study, and reflect upon your truth as it's found in the book of Ezra. Father, we know that these are not just words, but they are your words to us. Father, in the midst of our anxiety and fear, Father, I pray that you will help us to be like the people in Ezra's time, to allow your word to so flood our lives, to be the soundtrack of our lives, so that regardless of what happens in this life, we will trust in you because we are filled with your promises, because we hear you. So, Lord, as we come, we pray that you will give us faith to trust you faith to believe, faith to allow your word to once again change us and that we will feel again, experience again deep in our hearts the joy of trusting in Jesus and the freedom that comes when Jesus is Lord. So Lord, take these moments, use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Dr. Amy Shrifrinth is a professional songwriter. Once she was asked by a church to write a hymn for the season of Lent. And when she was given this assignment, she was pregnant with her second child. Amy wanted to get the hymn done before she gave birth. And so while she was pregnant, she worked day and night working on writing this new hymn. The hymn moved her as she was writing from time to time, and she would cry and rejoice and sing this hymn as she writes the hymn. She finally finished the hymn, submitted the hymn to the church, and not long after, she went into labor. She gave birth to a baby boy, and she was busy. A few, uh, after giving birth, like most uh, new moms do, she spent time with her baby, taking care of her, her family, and she never touched the hymn that she wrote until of next year rolled around. When next year rolled around, the season of Lent was again approaching. So one day while she was in church with a newborn baby, now about eight to nine months old, she found her hymn. And she went to the church organ and started playing the hymn that she had written a year before. While she was playing the organ, her eight to nine-year-old son was crawling at her feet. He was busy playing with the toys. But when she started playing the hymn that she was writing while she was pregnant, Amy noticed that her son was playing with the toys underneath her feet, suddenly stopped. He sat up and started giggling and calling just like um, most babies do and started to move his hands as if he was dancing and doing his liturgical dance. Amy stopped playing the hymn, and she noticed that her baby went back to playing her plastic toys again. She felt something very strange. as soon as she played the hymn, her little baby would get up and do his little dancing. Later, as she was reflecting upon the day, Amy realized what was happening. when she was pregnant, working day and night, writing the hymn, her baby and her tummy heard the hymn. The hymn was his soundtrack for the last, for the nine months of the first nine months of his life. So whenever he heard the hymn again, he can't help but smile, he can't help but dance, he can't help but get really happy because the hymn was the soundtrack of his life, at least for the first nine months. Just like the baby, God has given us his word so that His Word can ring in our lives, so that His Word can be the soundtrack of our lives that keeps playing in our heads, regardless of how dire things and circumstances are, regardless of how treacherous our situation will be, God has given us His Word, so that His Word will be like this hymn that keeps playing in our heads. So that when we face difficult circumstances, this hymn will resound in our head and we will be like the baby getting up and dance. Because God has never meant to leave us alone. He has given us his word and his word needs to ring and be the soundtrack of our minds and hearts. His word is what my guitar, play call, my guitar teacher calls a ringing note. In guitar playing, there is what is called a ringing note. It's a note that you strung and you let the note ring over a few notes and a few bars sometimes. It's a note that you hit hard so that it rings for a certain period of time. And that's what God's Word is supposed to do in our lives. We're not just to read it, forget about it. We're supposed to let it ring. And let it be the soundtrack of our lives so that when difficult times come, it will be the sound, the music that will carry us through. So regardless of what happens in our lives, we will get up and dance. This is what's happening here in the book of Ezra. We've been walking our way through the book of Ezra and we've come to chapters 4 and 5. Chapter 4 is perhaps one of the most discouraging chapters in the Old Testament. It starts with the neighbors of the Jewish community were not happy with the Jews building the temple. So they began to involve themselves in quite a lot of anti-social behavior to get the Jews to stop building the temple. They started discouraging the Jews. They started uh, frightening them. And they started writing letters, they started bribing the Persian officials to get them to stop. And this torturous behavior incurred by the neighbors will last for years and years and years. But in the midst of all of this happening, in the midst of all this negativity, criticisms, and uh, treacherousness, we have Ezra chapter 5 verses 1 to 5, which we'll look at this morning as we meditate upon God's Word. Because chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 teaches us something, and that is, while the Jews were facing all this persecution from their enemies, we are told that they are to flood their minds, their hearts, with the Word of God. We read in Ezra chapter 5 verse 1, Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edu, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem the name of God of Israel who was over them. Not only were the prophets speaking God's word over them, but we are told in verse 2 that the prophets were not only with them, but they were supporting them. What happens when we allow God's word to so surround our hearts, to ring in our lives. We will be like Amy's little baby. We will get up and dance. How do I know that? The next few verses in Ezra chapter 5, verses 6 to 17, tells us that. Because the Jews are going to get themselves into a very sticky and a very difficult situation. But yet in the midst of this situation, the Jews are not going to Surrender to the circumstances. They are going to get up and dance. And what is this situation that's coming up? There are two officials by the name of Tetani and Shita Bozanai. And their, association, their associates were going to give the Jews a hard time. This, these two officials are going to ask the Jews, Why are you building rebuilding the temple of God? Who gave you permission? Because during this time, they started because of the prophets, because the prophets kept encouraging them and allowing God's word to ring in their lives. It gave them, gave the Jews renewed courage to rebuild the temple. And while they were rebuilding the temple, these two government officials came and asked them, Who authorized you? Who are the names that gave you authority to rebuild this temple? And the Jews could not give an immediate answer because they actually did not receive uh, formal um, answers to rebuild the temple. So while they were lost in words, uh, Tatanai and Shatah Bozanai were not happy with the Jews rebuilding. So what did they do? They decided to write to the king. So they write to King Darius, cordial greetings, verse 8. The king should know that we went to the district of Judah, to the temple of the great God, and the people are building with large stones and placing timbers in the wall. The work is being carried through diligence and is rapidly progressing under the direction. What these two officials tell the king in a very subtle way is that the Jews are using large stones, in the, literally from their Aramaic, it means rolling stones. Their stones are so huge that they have to be rolled to the construction area. And they were using wooden timbers to build the walls of the the temple. And the ancient world, only luxurious palaces can get uh, 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 fitted with these wooden panels. And the word that they use for temple can also be translated as palace. So what these two government officials in very subtle ways telling the king is this king you have to be mindful of the jews they did not receive formal go ahead from you and yet they're building this temple and this temple that they're building is not just a tiny mountainside shrine this is like a palace built with huge rolling stones and they're decorating it like a palace with wooden timbers You've got to be careful, because these Jews may be rebelling against you by building a temple. So in a very subtle way, they're telling the the king to be careful. And rather than allowing these uh, letters to get to them, the Jews surround themselves with the word of God. Because verses 1 to 5 tells us that as all these things were happening, they were filling themselves with the words of prophecy coming from Haggai and Zechariah. And when they fill themselves with the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to ring, be the soundtrack of their lives, what happens? Three things happen. Number one, when we allow ourselves to be filled with the Word of God, even when dire things happen to us, number one, God looks bigger. Look with me at verse nine. Here uh, verse nine says, We questioned the elders and asked them, Who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? We also asked them the names so that we could write down the names of their leaders for their for your information. This is the answer they gave us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. In the midst of all this criticism, as these foreigners were trying to get the Jews in trouble, the Jews answered by saying that we are servants of the God of heaven and earth. Notice what they say. God, is, God to them is not just the end God. God is not just the God of Jerusalem. God is not just the God of Israel. But God to the Jews is the God of heaven and earth. To the Jews, who are being persecuted at this time. God is not just a local God, but God is such a big God. Why? If you let your minds be filled with the words of God, in difficult situations, you begin to see the greatness of God that God is far greater than our problems. He's not just a tiny little God over a small terrain. He's the God of heaven and He's the God of us. And we are who? We are just His servants. Many times we allow our problems to so overwhelm us. Why? Because we have the opposite view as the Jews. Instead of seeing God as the God of heaven and earth, we see ourselves as the God of heaven and earth and God is just our servant. But because the Jews allow the word of God to so flood their hearts, they begin to see things correctly. We are not the gods of heaven and earth. Us, we do not need to know how to handle every difficult circumstances of our lives. We are not. We are just servants of God. But God Himself is so big that He is the God of heaven and earth. Filling our hearts, our minds with the Word of God allows us to get that perspective that God is much greater and we are so much smaller in C.S. Lewis's uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, speaks about a little girl by the name of Lucy. Lucy has met Aslan, the lion which represents Christ, and the next year, the children went back to the land of Nadia to visit Aslan again. And after a series of dreadful events, Lucy finally spots Aslan in Narnia. And when he f- sees Aslan in the forest in Narnia, she quickly runs to him, throws around, her arms around Aslan, the Lion King. And, he, and she buries her face in her mane. And uh, she was so happy to see Aslan again, and she was just hugged herself, um, and, and, uh, herself and, uh, and touching uh, Aslan's face. And Aslan said to the child, welcome child, welcome home. Aslan says, Lucy, you are bigger, you are getting bigger. I haven't seen you in a year, but you are getting bigger. Oh, Aslan said, that's because you're older, little one. Not because you are, I'm not. But each year you grow and you will find me bigger. That's what happens when we start allowing God's Word to so flood our hearts and our minds. God becomes bigger. Each year as we progress through time, as we start trusting and allowing God's Word to take priority in our hearts, God gets bigger. We begin to see God not just as, as, as this tiny God that is helmed in by circumstances, No, God gets bigger. And that's who God is. He's not just the God of this little house. No, He's the God of heaven and earth. And we begin to see ourselves getting smaller and smaller. The world is not about me. It's not about me so that I have to be God and control my circumstances. No, no, no. We begin to see ourselves as the servants of God. And God... Who he is. Number two, as we allow God and his word to so flood our hearts and minds, we become more sensitive to sin. Verse 12 Here the Jews are talking in the letter. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldean, the king of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. Precisely because the word of God being placed in their hearts, the Jews begin to realize that they were in exile simply because they have angered God. Earlier in Ezra, in Ezra chapter 4 verse 12, the Jews were accused as being rebellious and wicked. And here the Jews do not deny it. But by being flooded with God's word in their hearts and minds, they begin to see that they were wicked and rebellious and they were sent to exile because why? Because they have rebelled against God. When we allow God's word to flood our hearts, our minds, and, and be the soundtrack of our lives, what happens is we become more sensitive to sin? That sin is not just wrongdoing. Sin is not just wickedness. But sin affects God. It tears God apart. It makes God weep. You we begin to see, how sin affects God. Thirdly, if we allow God's word to so flood our hearts and our minds, not only do we see sin differently, but we become more and more aware of the mercy of God. Verse 13. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to rebuild this house of God. Even removed from the temple of Babylon the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, and brought to the temple in Babylon, then King Cyrus gave them to a man named Shelbazar, whom he appointed governor, and he told him, "Take these articles and go and deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem, and rebuild the house of God on this site." Here the Jews are recounting their sin and failure. Yes, they may have angered God, but God is still merciful. Despite their their, uh, angering of God and sinning against God, God is still merciful. Uh, God still brings the people back to Jerusalem. He moved the hearts of uh, Nebuchadnezzar so that the king Nebuchadnezzar will uh, return the articles of gold and silver that, taken, that he had taken out of God's temple and gave them back to the Jews so that the Jews can bring them and return back to Jerusalem. That even though they have sinned against God, God is still merciful. And God is still extremely merciful by moving a foreign king allowing the foreign king to allow them to rebuild the temple, and this is what the Jews responded to uh, Tatani and his uh, uh, and Shatai Bazana in in terms of why they were building the temple. And here, Tatani and uh, his friends begin to tell King Cyrus, "Yes, this is what the Jews have responded. But be careful, King. Okay? Find this edict for yourself to make sure that what they say is true. This edict." Uh, that that Cyrus has issued an edict for them to return, search for them. Verse 17 says, Now if it pleases the king, let a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to see if King Cyrus did in fact issue a decree to rebuild this house of God in Jerusalem, then let the king send us his decision in this matter. But there is a problem. Here, Tatanine and uh, his associates tells the king of Persia to search for this edict because the Jews had said that they were allowed to return to Jerusalem because of King Cyrus and because he issued the edict. And so Tatanine the, 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 the and his associates asked the king to search for this edict in Babylon. But there is a problem here. And the problem is that King Cyrus did not issue the decree in Babylon. He issued the decree in Persia. So they were actually giving the king wrong information, whether they knew it or not. But yet it did not ruin the chances of uh, the king finding the edict. Despite being directed to the wrong city. No mistake can ever stop the mercy of God. God wanted to be merciful to the Jews. Even though there were mistakes done by human beings, God's mercy still extends and God still allows his people to return, allowing his people to rebuild his people, to rebuild his temple. What does this have to say to us? Yes, sin may hurt God, but God in His mercy chooses to forgive us. God being uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the cross forgives us of our sins. And He's able to show His mercy. Even though human beings may falter, even human beings may make mistakes, His mercy still reaches to the Jews and still allows them to build the temple of God. Because God is a merciful God. During the war with Iraq in 2005, Gary Moshed was sent as a doctor to the US soldiers in the Iranian border. As a doctor, he was supposed to take care of the soldiers in the medical tent. He was supposed to provide supervision. He was supposed to train the combat medics. And to uh, visit the uh, soldiers that were hurt in the camp, and one day, while Gary was supposed to travel with one of the uh, uh, one of the soldiers to a hospital in Baghdad, there was severe bombing so that to delay uh the travel for another day and so the next day they headed out, and as Gary was on this uh, humvee with his sick soldier as they were traveling quickly to the hospital in Baghdad he suddenly felt very homesick and lonely and Gary realized also that it was Sunday and he was supposed to be in church but yet because of his assignment he was somewhere in the desert in Iran trying to bring soldiers back to um, the hospital in Baghdad he felt more and more depressed and in his sadness As he missed home, as he was feeling depressed about the war, he started listening to the music that was on his MP3 player at the time. His son-in-law, Eric, had loaded his MP3 player with over a thousand songs so that he could listen to them while he was away. So he decided to listen to some praise music since it was Sunday. The first song that came on his uh, uh, MP3 player was by Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. When they sang, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I can see glory in his face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. As Gary immersed himself in the music and the song suddenly he realized that God was with him. Even though he was thousands of miles away from home, even though he was in the desert, God was with him. And as he thought about the soldiers it was helping, suddenly he remembered the words of Jesus, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Suddenly he felt a renewed passion for taking care of them the sick soldiers under his care. And in the midst of all the things that were going on, the war, the bombing, the sick soldiers, the people getting hurt by the second, he was listening to this worship music and filling himself with the presence of God. And on top of the Humvee, while he was uh, on his way to the hospital and back there, he started to get up and started to do a little bit of dancing as he danced to the song by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Why? Because even in this world of brokenness, God still shows his mercy. Even though through the mistakes of human beings, even through the failings of human beings, God's mercy still gets his will accomplished. And in these moments, Gary could get up on the Humvee, and started dancing. I don't know about you, my friends, but let's pause for this pastoral moment. You may be facing very, very difficult situation. You may have lost a job because of this pandemic. You may have lost a deal one because of this pandemic. You may be filled with anxiety about the future. Yes, dire may be our circumstances, but there is a song, the word of God that still floods our hearts. Or will you be like Gary? In the midst of all the things were falling apart, flood your hearts with the words of God and that you will get up and dance. I hope you dance. Father, we just want to come before you. We thank you in the midst of the most dire circumstances when Jews were facing persecution and people trying to belittle them by writing letters to kings to stop their work, Father, you reached out you allow your word through the prophets to flood their hearts so that in the midst of all this persecution, they see that God is far greater, that God is not just any God, but the God that we believe in, Jesus Christ is the God of heaven and us. And Father, we rejoice, we rejoice and nothing... Nothing is under your control. You made everything. So, Father, we thank you that your word reminds us again, reminds us of the severity of sin, but yet you have chosen to show mercy. Even though the Jews may make mistakes, Father, you have chosen to allow your mercy to so flood their hearts, allowing them. To get your work done. So Father, flow us again with your mercy. Use us again, though we may have failed you. By the blood of Jesus Christ, use us again for your glory. And Father, in the midst of the most difficult situations, Father, I pray that your word will give us the courage to get up and dance. We can dance. Because Jesus is alive, and He is the God of heaven and earth. Father, I pray for everyone listening that they will also get up and dance. In Jesus' name.